Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Katherine Erickson. Katherine is a former attorney and litigator who now spreads the message of women's wealth. Katherine created Empowered Way Coaching to show women how to transform their relationship with money and wealth. Instead of creating from the outside in, Katherine teaches how to connect first on the inside, intentionally set your state of being, then allow that energy to inform your actions. When women learn how to peacefully create abundant wealth, the world is a much better place. And I totally and completely agree with that. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Oh, thank you, Angel. It's really an honor to be here. Well, it is my pleasure to have you. You and I definitely have a a lot of alignment uh, around how we're here to serve and who we're here to serve and the topics around which we're here to serve. You know, I think wealth is absolutely essential for wickedly smart women to be able to fully and completely materialize in this world, the greatest contributions that they can make. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your backstory about, you know, what inspired you to move from litigator to wealth coach for women and, uh, you know, a little bit of what happened along the way there for you. Right. Well, thank you, Angel. I grew up in a family of boys. I was the only girl, the youngest, and I have a twin brother. So I got hit very early on with masculine energy Mm -hmm. and went through high school, college, decided to go to law school, followed the path that I thought I needed to follow. That's that outside world informing me. And I learned so much being a lawyer. It was an amazing process going through law school, taking the bar, and then actually helping people in their problems, in their conflicts, and you know, reaching a resolution for the uh, best for everyone involved. But <laughs> there's always that but. You do that for a while, and after a while, you I realized that I wasn't feeding my soul. I wasn't feeding myself. I wasn't doing what I came here to do spiritually. And that in and of itself was a process. I um, gradually left my practice, started taking part-time jobs. But what I started doing on the side was writing books. And so I found my passion in writing spiritual books, spiritual tales that teach lessons. And you know, we're wired to learn from stories. Mm. That's very common. And you see stories all the time in marketing. And I just thought, why not use those same principles in my books? So that's what I did. And as part of that, 
fell into the wealth coaching. And I've always had a passion for helping women because I know I certainly needed help mm -hmm. to find my own feminine powers and, and get in touch with my uh, intuition and uh, know who I am in this very masculine dominated world. Yeah, well, so we share some similar experiences. I actually spent 20 years in the real estate industry, so I was in a very highly masculinized uh, phase as well. I think there's a certain generation of women that actually came up to, uh, you know, came through a period where we were expected or we created in our own minds that we needed to beat the boys, to be on the field with the boys, to be better than the boys, you know, all those things. And for me, I had a spirit, like a spiritual awakening. So did this spiritual shift for you come as a kind of a sudden awakening type of thing, or was it a gradual thing? Did you have any spiritual like roots in your family that you know, were part of your childhood? Or can you talk a little bit more about that piece? Because for me, that's what the spiritual awakening was what propelled me out of the highly masculinized world of real estate and real estate development. Right. No, I totally understand that. I would say the answer is both. I always knew there was something else for me to be doing to, to express, but I never could figure out how to support myself doing it. So I shove that aside. You know, you make a great living as a lawyer. You're respected as a professional career. And as a successful female attorney, there's, you know, there's ego stroke to that. <laughs> but the catalyst for my spiritual awakening and shift in my trajectory of my career was when I hit the wall of infertility. And I did all the different things, IVF, et cetera, et cetera, and nothing worked. And I finally had to say, wait a minute, I'm trying to control the outcome. I'm focused on doing, and I'm not focused on being. And that was the big opening for me because I realized I didn't care about being pregnant. I wanted to be a mom. Mm. And so that of course shifted everything. And we eventually adopted our daughter and I was able to become a mom. And through that experience, of shifting from being the controlling person, I can be very type A. <laughs> and I think, you know, just to get through law school or medical school or real estate, anything, mm -hmm. you need that aspect of your personality. But I was ready to step away from that and become more of the creative, intuitive, uh, nurturing person. And so we adopted our daughter. And that's when I said, you know what? <laughs> This legal thing was great, but it's time for a, a new phase. It's time to reinvent myself. And so that's what I did. And I had been reading spiritual books and being involved in different things the whole time, but it wasn't until after my daughter was born and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're taking care of this infant. Mm -hmm. I mean, I walked out of the hospital with her two days old mm -hmm. and my husband went to get the car and I'm holding her waiting for him at the curb. And a nurse walked up and, and looked me up and down and then looked at the baby and said, you didn't just have that baby. Huh? Huh? Judgy, so, judgy little well, bitch, was wasn't little she? Judgy, <laughs> I was like, okay, I am a new mother. I have not had that experience of, of having that new growth inside of me. So yeah, I've got a lot to learn. So that really set me going. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting because my son's birth was definitely part of the catalyst for my spiritual awakening too. It took me another six years before I had the actual like popping open, but I can certainly point back, you know, you can always, hindsight's always twenty twenty. becoming a mom, you know, it is a rite of passage for many women. So I heard a couple of other things in there. One was that, you know, you had been reading spiritual books and, and had also been writing them, which is really exciting. I'm curious, did you have a support system around you as you were going through your spiritual awakening or was it more of a spiritual team support system that was there for you? Right. Great question. At that time, this is the early 2000s. Me too. And, you know, the internet wasn't still a thing. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. Mm. And so I would say more of a spiritual guide, the guides as opposed to physical. But I've now, of course, shifted and have very strong friendships based on uh, shared spiritual interests. So, but at the beginning, no, not so much. I grew up in a Catholic family, you know, with that, all that. So there was a bit of disconnect from my family because when I tried to explain what was going on with me, it, they were at a different level than I was. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I also had my spiritual awakening. The, the big popping open happened in uh, early 2001. Like it was mid mid 2001 when it happened for me. And, and I feel that I had a tiny little bit of support from the yoga community that I was in because I had started a yoga practice like five months before the pop. But I did also rely heavily on self-affirming. And so I'm guessing that that was part of your journey as well. Can you talk a little bit, because if I had not self-affirmed, if I had not had even that loose support structure of yoga people, I might've taken myself to the psychiatrist. So can you talk about that self-affirmation? And if that has anything to do with part of your work here, that would be even better if you can connect that dot too. Oh, of course. Thank you. Yes. Self-affirmation was uh, very important. And the way I did that was through meditation. And I didn't start seriously meditating until about three years ago. And it's every day, so many minutes a day. But before that, I kind of dabbled in it. Mm -hmm. But the whole concept of being able to just get still, if I had thoughts, it was fine, just let them go. But to reach that place inside mm -hmm. where I was worthy, I was loved, and I'm supposed to be here. And I did connect with that early on. And that's what kept me going. Just that reconnection, that kind of dipping down during the day to to say no, you know, what, whatever that person is upset about, it doesn't have anything to do with me. I had to learn not to take things personally. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was you know that I mean you, when you do something for a long time, you develop patterns and habits, and so it's a retraining and a refocus, a new perspective. And that does dovetail into what I do now, because part of my coaching is teaching meditation and creating personalized meditations for that client if we're working one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. And then I also have other meditations that are available on Insight Timer. Mm. Oh, 
I love that app. Inside Time yeah. is a great app. Yeah. I remember when app. that came out, I put that on my list of things to, to do and it never happened to, to put meditations on there, but it's all good. The list of things to do gets longer and longer and, and uh, we're at more and more choice about what we get to do. So I want to ask you now, Catherine, what was it that inspired you to move into the coaching realm? Because, you know, one of the other things I heard was a similar refrain that I hear from many women and that I also experienced myself, which is, okay, we know how to make money in the law. We know how to make money in real estate. We know how to make money in whatever, you know, the more masculinized industries that we came up in. How did you like get clear that not only could you say yes to yourself to step into this coaching role, but also that you could generate the kind of wealth that was, you know, on par with the wealth that you created as a lawyer? Right. Thank you. That's a great question. So I started looking at how I interrelated with money. Mm -hmm. And because I have a twin brother, I have a very great comparison because he obviously tended to use more masculine energy. And I feel like there is a difference, very big difference between masculine and feminine energy. Masculine energy is uh, linear oriented. Mm -hmm. It's data driven. Mm -hmm. It's uh, analyzed, objective. And you can point to something and say, see, this succeeded or it didn't. Feminine energy is that hidden knowing. It's the intuition. It's fluid and flowing. There's no data in sight. You can't necessarily measure it. And it is definitely not objective. It's connected to higher source. So when I started looking at, well, he's here in his career and I'm here, you know, this was right when I was starting, I knew I had missed something and it wasn't that I didn't work hard enough because I certainly did. And I, and I used everything I thought I knew about how men succeed, but that set me off on this whole other path to find out more about feminine energy. And just so you know, Angel, um, this is not gender specific, mm. even though I'm using my brother and myself as an example. It's not gender specific. We need both feminine and masculine energy to create wealth. Mm -hmm. But women, unfortunately, we live in an environment and an ecosystem that was created by men for men. So, of course, it's going to accent their strengths mm -hmm. and highlight our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. If women had created the financial system, it would do the same thing. But it's important to recognize where we are in this system and how we can thrive. Hmm. And it's not to focus just on the way men do it. Women need to learn how to become, and I'm using that word very deliberately, how to become wealthy. Mm -hmm. And that's why I got into this coaching. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. All right. Beautiful. Well, we're already at the break. It happens quickly. We are going to talk a little bit more about specifically about the money and wealth creation on the other side of the break. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We would also love to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can 
serve them too. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. Just checked last night, and we are now officially at 90 countries around the world. Pretty exciting. So I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Argentina, Azerbaijan, and let's see. Albania. We'll just do all the A's today. <laughs> and we will be right back with Katherine Erickson. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Katherine Erickson. You can find out more about Katherine and how to work with her at empoweredway.com, empoweredway.com. So I want to make sure that we dive in a little deeper, Catherine, to your definition of wealth and uh, how you help your particular women that you're working with to access their definition of wealth and, and acquire it and enjoy it. Yes. Thank you, Angel. So wealth is much broader than what we think of, than what you see in the financial news or Wall Street Journal. The word wealth actually comes from an old English word, wheel, and it's spelled two different ways, W-E-L-E -E or W-E-A-L. And that old English word means well-being. And what is well-being? Well-being is all aspects of yourself, your mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. And so wealth, being wealthy, is being aligned and thriving in each of those areas. It's not just your bank account. So that's that's a key concept right there that I teach my clients. The second thing I talk to them about is energy because that's all money is. Money is simply energy. And we put stories on top of it. We put limiting beliefs. We tell it that, oh, you didn't do what I thought you were gonna do, so I hate you. Whatever it is we tell money, it comes from us. That's not what money is. And so that's one reason why I wrote this book, The Money Tree, was to introduce these concepts to everyone, but women especially, because I believe money as energy is really uh, divine love from God, from the universe, however you want to characterize it. But that's why women in particular can access it so much easier because we know how to create on the inside. I mean, you and I both, you know, women create life. We create all kinds of things. So why not create wealth? Why not be abundance? And the third concept I teach women, the wealth concept, the energy, the third concept is 
about the word being. We're called human beings for a reason. And this whole concept ties it together. I define the word being as born to express the infinite nature of God. B-E-I-N-G. I know, right? Born to express the infinite nature of God. And so when you think of who you are in your life, and if you're being it first, you're expressing that infinite nature of divine intelligence, of divine love. So my clients learn through uh, exercises and uh, meditations and journaling prompts to connect inside to the abundance that's always there. And then to allow that abundance to come out and inform you, guide you as to your next steps. And if anyone's listening to this going, well, that, that just doesn't make sense. Well, that's part of the feminine energy, remember? It's formless, but it's oh so powerful. And when you set your intention and you uh, clear your limiting beliefs and know that you are worthy no matter what happens, know that you're loved no matter what happens, then you can express, you can experience, you can energize that infinite nature of God. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love being. <laughs> I know. I so that. I think we should be called being human instead of human being. I don't and, disagree. <laughs> and just to finish that thought, Angel, I don't mean to interrupt, no but just worries. to finish that thought, when you think about what humans do, we're all about the outward appearance, the action. Well, what did that person mean? And of course, the ego is involved. When you think about being, it is, again, from a different source, from a different place, divine intelligence, divine love. So when you start from being and then you go to doing, it totally changes everything. And that's what that's what happened for me personally. And that's what I teach my clients. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that was mentioned when we introduced you is this this idea of not doing right. The idea of not doing until there is a clear being that is then engaged in the doing. Am I hearing that correctly? Yes. And I'll go back to my story of infertility versus adoption as a perfect example. Mm -hmm. The infertility, I was relying on science. I was, you know, well, who's this doctor? Maybe that doctor. It was all outside of me. And it was me pushing it. But when I decided to be a mom, which is what I did, and I totally surrendered that and how it was going to appear, I didn't know. But we decided that the right course was to check out adoption agencies, and we went through that whole process. And I did. I became a mom. So that, to me, is a beautiful example. And I'm looking at a picture of my daughter right now, and she's, of course, changed my life. <laughs> Well, that children have a tendency to do that. <laughs> so I want to just really underscore for our listeners here a few things that are kind of in between the lines. One is that you really have to make a conscious choice to stop the doing, right? Mm -hmm. The kind of the unconscious doing, right? the human doing activities. You, so it starts with making that choice to stop, 
to stop because things aren't working. Something's not working, right? Usually that's what stops people is something's not working unless, you know, you have a spiritual awakening and get bonked on the head by an angel somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second thing is choosing to really curate what your intention is internally. Am I hearing that correctly? Yes, but I would phrase it just a little differently. Go ahead. Of course. (laughs) Let my clients know the first thing we do is work on their limiting beliefs. You can't change anything until you become aware of them. Mm. And you have to create that gap, that space between the habitual reaction and who you are. And so as you develop that sense of self, that sense of worthiness, you'll begin to see what negative behaviors you've been doing unconsciously, you've been using as a a defense mechanism. Well, if you're whole, perfect and complete, just as you are, because you're this divine expression, you don't need to protect yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a, no one can make that shift for you. And when people are ready, they're ready. Sure. Well, no one can make the shift for you. And, you know, I know from my own experience, I'm sure from your experience, I'm sure from your client's experience that having a container and having a mentor or a coach or consultant or guide to uh, hold that container and to really support you uh, and making investments to do that really will take the work to a whole new level, much more swiftly. So in the last couple of minutes that we have, Catherine, can you speak specifically to the, you know, the women that you are really calling that, that you're beating the drum to have come and be in your sacred space to do the work, to become empowered and wealthy for themselves? Yes, I am working with uh, millennial women solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. I have met so many women. I have nephews. Of course, everyone in my family is boys. (laughs) So I'm so so happy we adopted a girl just to kind of balance it out. But I just see the way my nephews are who are millennials Mm -hmm. and they're charged up and going and chasing after that brass ring. But the millennial women seem a little lost. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that I'm really attracted to because there is a way for them to use their strengths, their gifts, their talents in a more feminine, uh, using feminine energy, if I can use that phrase, Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to be like the guys. Yeah. And so millennial women, really, because they're young, they're eager, they're ambitious, they're so, so talented. But in terms of their relationship with money, eh. <laughs> not well, so much. Yeah. And I think that that's the case for many women, but yeah, I'm really excited that you're actually focusing on that particular group because I think that uh, it's really going to be helpful to have them have that kind of solid foundation and affirmation younger rather than have to wait to be, you know, much older before you get it. So, yeah. Right. And I say millennial women, but of course I'm open to any woman who is ready to shift their relationship with money. Sure. All right. Well, beautiful. It has been my pleasure having you here today, Catherine. I think we actually could have talked a lot longer. There's plenty that we could have said beyond what we did, but we did the best we could with the time that we had. And hopefully our listeners really heard the beingness piece that is essential 
to begin the process of embodying wealth. So listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you think of today's show by calling into our listener line. We will have that number in the show notes for you, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at weeklysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. I want to thank you for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.